Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. Did I peek out just now, John? I don't know. I don't think so. This is a okay. different microphone. All right, yeah. I'm using a different microphone, and I don't know what happens. Yeah, it's because uh, I guess the, uh, the, the spoiler version of the podcast, like the spoiler uh, of the podcast last week, you actually did from your house with, right. the, with, the, with the microphone, and so right. you forgot to bring it back this time. Yeah, it's, it's my fault. And uh, so that, that leads us into the very first question that we always ask is, how was your week, Chris? Uh, my week has been very, very uh, jam-packed. <laughs> jam-packed. Jam-packed with lots of things. <laughs> with lots um, of things. And we're about to record over something there. Uh, that's okay. That was our okay. test earlier. All right. We're about to record over our test. Do you want me to move the test so we nope, don't record nope, over it? Nope, That's fine. We can keep it I'm, as like an Easter egg later on okay, in yeah. outtakes. All right. Let's do it. All right, so you you keep vamping while I move this. Okay, uh, yeah. So uh, it's been it's been a it's been a wild week. I uh, haven't spent a lot of time um, doing any th- kind of thing. I watched some Bob's Burgers and uh, The Flash, and that's about it. And that that's gonna be our main topic this week. We're gonna re- re- do a quick review of the season premiere of The Flash yeah. and Arrow. Yeah, they will also be broken out and put on our Flash and Arrow podcast. If you Boom. like them, you can check out our Flash on Target and Arrow on Target podcast. Also at stayontargetpodcast.com and on your favorite podcast service of choice, Stitcher or iTunes or something like that. I, I, I haven't heard of the podcast so, uh, service called or or something like that. Yeah, it's a new one. It's new. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just have to look for Okay. It. You have to kind of know what you're looking for. Yes, it. exactly. Yeah, okay. um, um, but I did over the weekend. I did okay. finish The Martian, the book. I talked about that. You talked about the book. But I hadn't we finished had re- it. But you hadn't finished the book. We, we yes. said like there was a point whenever you were watching the movie, it was like, yes. oh, we're off into, you know, into yep. the weeds now. Yep. Amazing book. You should read it. Everyone should read it. Um, definitely, even if you've seen the movie already, uh, read it. Dude, I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited to read it and watch the movie. I, I um, enjoyed it just as much after the movie as I did before the movie. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's even awesome. I knew the the ending. So, um, so obviously you said the book. I mean, so you can definitively say the book was better than the movie at this point. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So, Chris. We also last week my pick of the week was oh, yeah. the uh, the cards. We also cracked into another couple packs of cards. Oh, we did for the uh, for the yeah. tops. Uh, it has the Force Awakens uh, Road to the Force Awakens uh, yeah. card sets. That's so we pretty, got a, pretty we, crazy stuff up here. We got a bunch of new cards. We got some some die cuts uh, or a, like foil cards. There's a card here that I want to trade yes, you for. You've been trying to trade me and trying to throw cards my way uh, for a specific uh, card that that I, I gave have. you this whole box of cards, John. <laughs> the entire thing. This whole box. That's that's very. Very tempting, Chris. It's very tempting. It's like fifty cards to it's one. Like fifty tar- cards to one. You're right. Yeah. It's yeah, that is like fifty cards to it's one. Definitely overpaying. That is way overpaying. Yeah. Um, I still don't know if I'd do it, man. Oh my it's gosh. Just, I, I have to think about it, man. I'm I have to think about it's it. It's understandable. So um, yeah, uh, is that all you've been up to? No. Uh, so I, I mean, I watched obviously watched Flash, watched Arrow. Uh, yes. um, I uh, I've been playing a little bit of, uh, of of Super Meat Boy that was uh, free on the Vita this week. So if you have a PS4, uh, PS3, uh, or a Vita, and you want some free games, join PlayStation Plus or or use yeah. your PlayStation Plus, and you get some free games. Um, it's it's a really fun platformer. I started. It, I remember I started it while you were out of town one day, um, and I had come over to your house for some reason mm. while you were out of town. That's uh, 
funny. This was like before I was married or whatever. <laughs> and I came over to your house while you were out of town. That's how you it. played some of uh, something else, too. That's how I played all of uh, Modern Warfare 2. I played oh, man. It that way. The whole campaign? It was, yeah, it was two nights. <laughs> you guys were gone for like a weekend, right? And it, I was working um, over on that, that like near your house. I was, yeah. I was working in a studio that was near your house. And, uh, and I remember like getting done mixing and then coming over to your house and just the next like four hours, five hours each night was just like, gotta finish this thing. I remember so captivating. I remember you texting me the first night. I I honestly don't think, I think you said, Hey, I'm at your house. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. (laughs) The the behaviors of a bachelor. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm fine with it. By the way, I'm I'm in your house. Yeah. Eating your food, playing your video games. That's cool, right? All of my close friends are welcome to that. So podcast listeners, not so much. Please do not do that. (laughs) Don't do that. That people tweet. Do not break into my house. And uh, tried to just live there. Try to try to uh, eat my play, food and play, play my your, games. Play your video games. Yeah, I always would. So what I would do is I would either order pizza from your house. Yeah, uh, and then they would deliver it to your house, or <laughs> I would uh, I would go to the swing by like the Taco Bell. I yes. ate a lot of Taco Bell. It was right next to uh, uh, my house. It was house. very very close to your house. So John. Okay. They're about to build a new Taco Bell next to my house. Oh god. My, no, my new house. Your new house. Well, not my new house. Well, but the one you live in now. Yes, my current house. Yeah. Literally five minutes away. If that, it's going to be a glorious, glorious day. <laughs> you can uh, you can get the meat like substance. You know, it's it's, it's meat, man. There's meat in there <laughs> somewhere. It says it's 100 percent meat. I don't know. I don't know if I buy it anymore uh, because they lied to you once, Chris. What? Wait, when did they lie to me before? Well, because like they they marketed this stuff for beef as beef like all the whole time that we. It uh, is beef, but then like they came out that it's not beef. Like it, it was mostly like mostly not meat. Well, it's okay. So it's like spices and filler and stuff. Like yeah, it's like the sauces. filler. Yeah, like but it's still beef that's inside there. I mean, a very small percent probably. Listen, I still enjoy it. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in my body, <laughs> and it's gonna love it. You can do that, Chris. You can you can do that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, I I a lot of people are down on it. I like it. Taco Bell's one of my favorite places. I mean, I haven't had Taco Bell in a really long time. Yeah. Um, but I used to, like I said, I used to, used to yeah. eat it all the time, man. The quesadillas, the steak quesadillas. I, yeah, steak just, quesadillas. Just and cheese and steak, dude. And the, the chicken quesadillas. Chick, and Chicken quesadillas. Uh, yeah. I think actually, like, whenever they started doing, like, they started the, trying to do these, like, gourmet bowls, like, from a from a chef that had, like, built the recipe for these bowls, yeah. right? Oh, and that's I a, hated those That's things. around the time whenever I, like, I really uh, stopped. Like, I, I was like, well, I don't They went off the I, deep I'm end not going some of that anymore, stuff. So, yeah. yeah. The, um, they have a thing right now called uh, the quesadillas. Is this the one with the uh, the ghost peppers? No. The, uh, oh wait, the no, I think they're harbor. I don't know if it's the quesadilla. No, those are grilled like stuffed burritos. Or so like Chris, that. this is something that we should do: is just not not get that burrito or whatever, but get get a ghost couple ghost peppers. Oh like, man, raw no. ghost peppers. I'm not doing this. And on the podcast, nope. you and I should just just eat some ghost peppers. Not doing it. And see how like is it as a challenge. See which one of us can last longer before taking a drink. Right, the quesarito, and try to podcast. All I'm not. The way I'm through. not. I'm not going to do that. That sounds terrible. It sounds amazing. No, I hate hot things. John. What if? Okay, so what if it was for charity? Like, what if we were like, what if we got, sure. got people to pay for us sure. to do this for charity? If someone was paying money, right. putting up money for me to do this, I would do it. Okay, so money for for charity. Yes. Okay, I will find a way to make this <laughs> yes. happen, Chris. All right, I will find a all way. Right. We'll like do it to like give kids the world or something. I'm like gonna that. describe to you the quesarito though, John. Okay, the quesarito. Okay, it's basically a burrito 
And the outer shell is a quesadilla. Sounds like an unholy mixture it's, of foods. It's, it's a quesadilla burrito. That's, there's something so, something wrong. It's like the with this. there's like some kind of burger that somewhere oh, no. that I want to try where it's basically there's it's a burger on the inside, but then the the buns are replaced by two grilled cheese sandwiches. Uh, I've actually had one of those before. What is that? Who? Where is um, that at? I had it originally from. It was a like a hole in the wall burger joint, right? Uh. I had it originally, and it was like these. It was delicious, but it was like you realize that in eating this, you were eating about four meals at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you bite into this. Does thing your and, body reject it immediately? Uh, your body doesn't reject it immediately, but later on in the night, you're kind of yeah. like, man, I'm not hungry, and it's been a really, really long time. Mm. Cause it's like, cause it just sits cause, there. Yeah, because it's just like literally just burning a hole in the bottom of your Bread, stomach or whatever. Bread cheese and meat. Yeah, and it's like it's twice as much because the grilled cheese. You have obviously two grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah, and so it's like eating. I mean, I can't imagine eating two grilled cheese sandwiches and a burger yeah. and like a side. But that's effectively what that meal was. Yeah, it's I so feel like weird. I feel like we need to start a foodie podcast. We we, we inevitably end up talking about food a lot. <laughs> we do talk about it a lot. So uh, is that is that all? you've been up to super meat boy um super meat boy um yeah pretty much i mean it's it's been a uh it's been a weekend man it's yeah. been because we're still unpacking as you can see around the house here yeah. um i put together that bookcase that's yeah. right behind you it's nice it's a nice bookcase nice yeah anyway, it is i like it a lot anyway but yeah that's the uh that's what's that's what's been going on uh in my life this yeah, weekend that's, that's cool well <sighs> we are going to review the uh flash and arrow shows premieres but first the So first off, John, I yes. have a friendly PSA for everyone out there. That's a public service announcement. Yep. This week end. This Sunday. This week end. <laughs> is it this week or is it this no, weekend? No, it's, it's, it's this weekend. Okay, so it's this Sunday weekend. night. Okay. Is the season premiere <gasps> of The Walking Dead. Boom. It's back, people. So I did notice that they, uh, they put The Walking Dead on Netflix. So I'm going to have to watch the last season of uh, The Walking Dead uh, sometime this month. It's gonna yep. happen. Yep. I'm gonna gonna whip out uh, my uh, my my spooky uh, outfit, like or or my my uh, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, my kit, like yeah. break the glass for yeah. spooky spooky watching things. Yeah. Um, basically, a lot of tissue and a lot of like, so I can Tissues. cry whenever people die. Oh, in, man. in the show, and uh, and <laughs> all of those things. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just a heartbreaking show, Chris. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Other times, it's very very uh, um, intense. This is true. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's coming back. Awesome. And I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i excited as well, man, because, uh, again, I like to I like to watch it all. <laughs> but you're excited about last season. I'm excited, I'm excited, about, like, I'm excited to, about to actually this get current. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And stay current for maybe an episode. We're excited about, excited about different things, this, I think. This is very true. Yes. Um, but, yeah, dude. Okay, so as far as that goes, I am going to be playing through this month uh, the, uh, the uh, Luigi's Mansion dark moon on my ds because Ooh. it's 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 a ghost catching nice. game yeah. and it is october and so i'm gonna make sure uh, i like started playing it uh, about a month ago yeah and Catherine was like oh that would be a fun game to play around halloween and yeah. i was like immediately i put it down and was like i'm playing that around halloween october hits i'm playing that game so anyway so that's it's october i'm gonna be playing that game it's time to play that game it is um I think I got that for you for your birthday. You did, and yeah. uh, I, it's it's awesome so far, and I'm excited to dive back in. Uh, so we have some other news. Um, I'm okay. So this is originally from Time Out, but I'm going to read Time Out the IGN 
uh, article because it's a little more concise. So Time Out did an interview with Daniel Craig. Oh, and they uh, Spectre's coming out, I think, is it this November? Yeah. Is it this month? Or no, um, no I'm sorry, next month? Or is it month. December? Pretty sure it's November. Check on that. Maybe part of November movie month. Yeah, check on that. So uh, th- this is the Bond, uh, James Bond 25, Spectre. Oh, wait, no, sorry. James Bond 24. Next one is James Bond 25. This is coming from IGN.com. IGN writes, Daniel Craig is so over this whole being James Bond thing, and certainly don't ask him about doing another one, because he has said in a new interview he'd rather die than do another James Bond. What? <laughs> He's an awesome James Bond. <laughs> so uh, they asked him, and he said, quote, Now I'd rather break this glass and slash my wrists. No, not at this moment. Not at all. That's, that's fine. I'm over at the moment. We're done. All I want to do is move on. <laughs> so that sounds awful, Chris. I know. Um, uh, he continued to say, I haven't given it any thought for at least a year or two. I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to. I don't know what the next step is. I have no idea because I'm trying to be cagey. Or sorry, not because I'm trying to be cagey. Who the F knows? At the moment, we've done it. I'm not in discussion with anybody about anything. Even more candidly, he added, quote, if I did another Bond movie, it would only be for the money. An end quote. <laughs> uh, this is IGN again. Indeed, the evidently exhausted Bond star also, quote, doesn't give a F who succeeds him in the role. Quote, good luck to them. All I care about is that if I stop doing these things, we've left it in a good place and people will pick it up and make it better. Make it better. That's all. Wow. Dude, I mean, like, it sounds like he's just ready to move on, ready to be done. I mean, how long is it? has been um, four movies. This will be the fourth one, right? Yeah. Because um, there was Casino Royale. There was the, uh, what was the sequel to Casino Royale? Yeah. Um, Quantum of Solace. Yeah. And then there was uh, the last one. Um, and then there's this, you know, so yeah, four. Not, this is Spectre. What was the one, what was the last one? Uh, the last one, Nightfall, or not Nightfall, uh, not Skyfall. Night, Skyfall. Skyfall. Oh, man, Skyfall is great. That's such a good song, too. Um, yeah. Adele. Uh, mm, so awesome. I, this may have something to do with it. So they asked him uh, if he had a successor, or had his advice, I'm not doing this well, had advice for his successor, and he says, quote, don't be crap, basically. Uh, you've got to step up. People do not make movies like this anymore. This is really rare now, so don't be crap. But hmm. no, just make sure you're great. You've got to push yourself as far as you can. It's worth it. It's James Bond. Maybe he's just burnt out. I think it sounds like he's just tired. Just, yeah, he's I just mean, tired. He's getting old, man. Well, not even that. I mean, again, you look at, like, he's done this for, for six years, or not not six years, for four movies. Like, how many years is so that, Chris? Two to three per movie. When did when did uh, the first one come out? Let me see whenever, uh, when when the original, like, uh, Casino Royale came out. Um, but, like, you do it for so long, and it's it's like... I don't know, man. It's it seems like he's just tired of being that role. Because if he he's saying, hey, basically, let's take you know one and a half, two years, that gives him time to get another movie in potentially uh, before he would even think about starting another one of these. Right. Um. Two thousand six. So it's been over ten years at this point. Um. That he's been kind of doing this. Um. Ten years or so. Uh. And so I mean, I I can totally see him him being kind of burnt out on the role. I mean, you do the same role for 10 years. What, what other movies has he done in that, that time span? I mean, there was a, there was a, a girl with a dragon tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I really can't think of anything, you know, major that he was well, let's, in. Let's look that up. Um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, so you do this for like 10 years, that's a decade, um, of your life that's dedicated to one single role. And he did bring a lot to that role. I mean, he changed it up quite a bit. Um, the, 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 
the, these movies are arguably some of the best movies that come out every year. And James Bond movies weren't necessarily not that, every year. Well, not every year. Sorry, that come out come out whenever they come Frequently. out. Yeah, and so in a series, you know, you you look at the quality of this this particular run of movies, um, and you compare it to even the Marvel movies or something like that. It's like it's in in a league of its own. I mean, you know, Skyfall so was he's been, he's been a masterpiece. Good movies. Uh, he's been Girl with Dragon Tattoo. He's in the Adventures of Tintin. Um, something called Dreamhouse. I don't know what that is. Cowboys and Aliens with uh, Yep, that's right. Um, Harrison Ford. Uh, directed by John Favreau. Yes, he was in Defiance. Yeah. Um, he's also in The Golden Compass, if you remember that movie. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Which one was the first one? Golden Compass was a good movie. I was surprised they didn't uh, do that more of that series. Um, music Cino Cino Royale was book series. So The Invasion that's uh, in 2007. Um, yeah, so that's what, that's all he, that he's been in between. Oh, Flashbacks of a Fool, whatever that is. So he's been in quite a, not quite a few, but he's been in several. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it does take a lot of time. He has four upcoming projects. Which is wild. He's gonna do. Oh, so they're saying he's gonna do the uh, the sequels to IMDb says he's doing the sequels to the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but they also have him listed as in uh, Bond twenty five. So they're not very up to date. They're yeah. not listening to Stay on Target, John. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not listening to uh, to the podcast. If they were, they would change that. I have a possible possible spoiler. Ooh. for Superman. Cool. In Action Comics. Yeah, go for it. So if you don't want to hear a spoiler. Turn it off. About, about action comics, right? About, action, about Superman. Yeah. He now has a new secret identity. What? So he's not Clark Kent anymore. He's not Clark Kent anymore. Mm. He's Archie Clayton. That's that's a weird name to yeah. choose. He's a truck driver uh-huh. who works for Swan Laundry. So, okay. So why did he have to uh, abandon More the More spoilers for action comics. Yeah. Lois Lane mm-hmm. got ticked off at him. Oh, no. And revealed his secret identity to the world. Oh. Perry White fired him from the Daily Planet. And so Superman obviously needs a secret identity. So he's a, he's a truck driver now. But once you know that he's Clark Kent, I feel like it would be harder to like hide yourself again. It would, I feel like everybody would be like, are you? Especially in the modern age of surveillance. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're going to be able to have facial recognition. I mean, there's like all sorts of ways that people are going to be true. able to find him. I mean, you know, I, 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 yep. And the reason for the secret <laughs> identity in the first place, I'm going to lay this out there. The reason for the secret identity in the first place is not necessarily to protect him, but it's to, to, to protect the people that he loves. And in this scenario, by revealing his, his, uh, his, his identity, you basically reveal all the people that he loves, regardless of whatever new identity he he up like he takes. So you just you know kidnap uh, Martha Kent, here's, hey, or you hang, kidnap hang Lois Lane, or whoever, here's, and he's you got him. This this solves the uh, the the previous the conundrum. Yeah, the previous conundrum. Uh, it says in the new issue, he uh, has been living in a trailer on the edge of the Talladega National Forest, hmm. and he uses a Wayne Tech light refractor device to distort his face just enough so people can't recognize him. I mean, that makes sense. He doesn't even wear glasses anymore. So the answer to, uh, to, to any question, Chris, any, any plot hole or whatever, is Batman um, in, the, in the DC universe. It's got, I mean, it's just He's chosen Batman's Archie's technology. profession in order to infiltrate a facility linked to the villain Wrath, who he's been battling in the current arc. I mean, it sounds like a cool idea because Superman is one of those, uh, those comics that is easily – it easily falls into a routine. Um, and it turns into, oh, you know, they found out who he is and they're going to kidnap his, his loved ones or, oh, they found kryptonite, you know, all that sort of thing. But, uh, but you know, by shaking it up this much, while it may sound outlandish to someone who is just, um, an outside observer looking in, 
it probably works works out really well in the delivery of it. It probably yeah. uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, and it would it would work obviously, you know. So another um, PSA announcement, John. Yes, a public service announcement. The latest issue of so Star you Wars. You basically said a public mm-hmm. service announcement. Announcement. Mm, Just yes. saying. Uh, and the new issue of Star Wars: Shattered Empire is out. Issue two. Awesome. And it uh, it's the second of a four issue miniseries before. The Force Awakens comes out. That is coming up very quickly, Chris. You should check it out if you are at all interested. I'm so amped for The Force Awakens, man. I know. Me too. And so uh, tickets, Chris, um, are probably the rumor is that tickets for The Force Awakens will go on sale later this month, correct? October 19th is the the date that everyone is kind of... kind of going with is it is it just a guess or is this something that i don't know there was there was sources within you know within uh amc or or regal or somebody have announced that that's whenever they're doing it you know yeah there was there was some kind of um some kind of like basis for this but i don't remember what it was i mean yeah i I, regardless i'm gonna be you know or you rather because i think you're you're uh responsible for buying the tickets for a, a number of people i am um, and so you're probably going to be sitting at your desk, uh, hitting the refresh button every like every second. I am until that happens, like on that entire day. What if it doesn't happen that day? Like, what if everybody is just like hitting their website so hard that I it's? I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like the servers are going to crash. Dude. Oh man, they better not. I feel like I feel like every website that's selling those things is going to go down. I feel like I you, you remember not. what happened whenever like Apple pre-orders or? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always problems. But this yeah. is the thing, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think they're just going to stealth drop it, to, it or are they going to announce? It'd be like Fandango would have to go down as the thing. And, and I feel like Fandango could probably um, handle it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you would think so. You would hope. Yeah. You would hope. But you would also hope that Apple would be able, a technology company yeah, would, but would be able to handle it. Think about, I, I mean, people are buying tickets on Fandango all the time. I I, I mean, like, you know, every, I don't know what the, 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 uh, the number is, but like, I mean, I'm sure there's people buying it right now, you know, yeah. on Fandango. There's That's probably someone listening to the podcast buying tickets right now. Yeah, on they're the literally Fandango. pushing the button. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know how many people are buying Apple products every single second on the App Store. That's true. And so they probably have to like activate extra servers um, if in like preparation for that one day right. every year. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, I think I think it'll uh, it'll probably be fine. This but. is more of a, a long article. Uh, video game voice actors have voted yes on a potential strike. Yeah, I knew that. The uh, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists Union, has confirmed its strike referendum was a resounding excess. Success. Excess? Why? I can't talk tonight, John. Chris, it's okay. You've, if, with the week you've had, I'm not surprised. Uh, the union's list of demands includes residuals for games that sell over 2 million units, stunt pay for vocally stressful recording sessions, and a stunt coordinator on set during performance capture. These demands can be viewed in full on their website. I mean, that makes sense, man. Um, it makes sense that, uh, that they would want the residuals after the fact, because I mean, just like actors and things like that, they kind of, uh, have some of those deals in place. They are allowed to make some of those deals. Um, but you know, up front, like a video game, um, can sell, you know, or, or basically not, not be, um, projected as a huge hit. 
and then you know it turns into a gigantic sleeper hit like it'll uh, it'll sell millions of units and you know the uh, the voice actors or anybody involved wouldn't see anything of that and so i mean in this instance it, it'll basically it, i think it opens the door to allow uh, voice actors to do more things and to be feel feel more secure in doing smaller projects or, or more secure in doing some things like that you know where where they're you know if it hits and takes off it's like hey yeah it's, we're gonna get something on the back end so i mean yes i uh i understand that i see both ways you know mm. where that makes a lot of sense for like movies where the actors are sales drivers. You go see a Robert Downey Jr. movie because you like Robert Downey Jr. You don't play a game because, um, you okay. You don't play call of duty because Kevin Spacey's in it. I mean, that's, that's, well, I don't know, man. I mean, they would probably argue. It's that like, a, it's like, it's like a checkbox that you like, Hey, yeah. look, we've got Kevin Spacey, you know, like kind of legitimizes the, the art form. Okay, but it doesn't drive sales numbers. I would agree, and I but I also see it the other way, where where you have uh, Troy Baker, for instance, as a you voice don't, actor. But you don't but buy you don't games buy a game because of Troy Baker. But but makers like whenever you see like Troy Baker's name as a as someone who um, knows the art form really well, you know immediately that the voice acting is going to be really really good in it, and so yeah. it, it does um, inform your decision of like, hey, you know, uh, do I. Am I how confident am I in this pre-order, for instance? And it's like, well, I know Troy Baker's in it, so at the very least, his acting job is going to be good. I mean, I guess it's a quality indicator in terms of the performance. But again, that's not. I mean, it, we have proved time and time again, a a video game can have a cr- the crappiest story to no, no story at all. If the gameplay is there, that's true. People will buy the game, tell their friends to play, buy the game, yeah. and it will be a, a commercial success. Well, you look at like Destiny last year, and this is this backs up your point um, that Destiny last year, you know, has had uh, launched with uh, very like very little story, but it yeah. had a huge voice actor name. Um, yeah. It had uh, Peter Dinklage in it, and everybody um, at the time, and I, I don't agree with it necessarily, but nobody really liked Peter Dinklage's voice acting in it. Um, I I didn't mind it; I, I enjoyed it at, at, at times. Um, but I mean, it's just that wasn't a reason that that game did so well. Like you don't look at that game and go exactly that, that reason that game sold gangbusters and, and there has a huge ridiculous, uh, fan base now because the story or because Peter Dinklage's delivery of the story was so good. But think about it. If he had this kind of deal, he would be getting more money if, because it was successful even though everyone hated his performance. I mean, that's true. I mean, again, I, and it was not a sales driver. Like if I'm the studio, like true. look at it from the studio's perspective, look at it, you know, like you're an indie studio, you want a good voice actor. And, um, uh, you know, you know that this voice actor, he does not, is not a sales driver. You're not going to make any extra off of him by, um, I hear that plane. There's it's a plane very, very coming loud. over. It's pretty awesome. You're not going to make any extra it's coming right over us. because he's your voice actor. True. And yet, if your game is successful, you have you know like I'd rather play a fat a fat rate a flat rate a flat fat rate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even if it's like I would you know like so if, it, if I was a developer, I'd rather pay more on the front end. Yeah. For a uh, and no have a known cost for this voice actor than have residuals later. It's harder to keep track of. That's true. And it's and it, again, it all comes down to is this person 
going to drive sales? If no, then I don't want to pay them off my profits. I mean, that's true. But I mean, again, I think it also opens the door, like I said, to, for uh, people to do some smaller projects or to get paid less up front because it's like a lot of game companies um, or even like indie games or middle tier games, they don't really know what this thing's going to make. But they have like a certain amount and they're like, okay, so we can pay you this much now, but if it does well, you're going to get this much. Agreed. But those deals can be made anyway. That's it's not true. like those deals aren't being made. This but is what it's saying is this is a requirement mm. for every single game everyone's on. Yeah. In I that mean, case, I feel like it's restrictive. That is a little restrictive. Um, the other points on this um, with these stunt things and stuff, yeah, I can see I mean, that for sure. Yeah. I mean, if so, I, I yes, I agree. You know, if you are yelling and destroying your voice, you should probably get paid more right but then again i'm always for like the market deciding you know how much that right. should be well i mean and, and then in that instance it's it's also uh i guess if you didn't know if you sign up and say yes i'll do this thing and then you get in there and they they're like oh we've rewritten right. this thing and there's a bunch of yelling and yep. stuff it's like in that instance this is a protection okay. for that new rate know? exactly and i agree with it that. makes sense that makes know? sense um, just like with with like if if uh, an actor signs onto a movie oh, and yeah. it's you know it's oh it's primarily a speaking role and then all of a sudden you get there and they're strapping you to a harness and sending you out a window and you're gonna break your leg or something there's potential for that then it's like man I didn't know about this up front you know I'm calling the union and right. so in this instance it's the same I'm thing the you know so it's like I feel like the, the same could be said it's like oh can you yell that at me with a really raspy voice then it's like no, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. I'm going to call the union, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. it, it's a protection. Uh, and, and I agree with that for sure. Um, and the other thing about like, uh, what was the other thing? It was the, the was video st capture. Was st the stunt, stunt no, people. Was, well, there was stunt pay for vocally stressful recording sessions and a stunt coordinator on set during performance capture. And that's fine. I yeah. mean, it just kind of depends. Like, again, it for me, it depends on what kind of like physical things are having them go through. Yeah. Like if, if, yeah, if you're doing stunts in this, yeah. uh, uh, Performance capture room. Green screen? Yeah. Like you, you, well, they don't do green screen. They do they put the little motion tracking. Face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like if you're doing stunts in here, yeah, you should have somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. Um, so whatever. And again, I think that's another protection. Again, you know, I'm not on either side of this, and we're just kind of debating the points, but um, it's interesting that we could – I mean, I don't know. How, how long could this delay games that are being – uh, are in development right now. That's a hard call, man. And I mean, think about the strike that took place, the the TV strike, the writer strike yeah. that took place. Like it was a whole, it was know, like, it was like a year a and a half or something whole, like that. Almost like, I feel like Lost had like six episodes yeah. that season. Yeah. Like whole entire like seasons of, of uh, series just disappeared. Missing, just gone. And I remember, you know, while, while that was really kind of sucky for new TV or whatever, I actually remember that time pretty fondly because I was, we were actually able to catch up on a lot of TV that I'd missed over the last however many years, you know, was able to catch up on some, some Netflix shows or like some, some things that were uh, big series. So you could just buy DVDs and stuff. I mean, but I don't know, man, it's that, that could potentially change the, the way that these games are uh, and the timeline that a lot of these games are going to be coming out. Um, this, this, uh, so I'm looking right at, at the, uh, what, what they're asking on the actual website. So this actually sounds weird. And I don't know if I agree with this. So this is called the, uh, the fourth thing they're asking for is transparency. Our proposal is that we need to know more about the projects that we're working on. We propose that the actual title of the project should be made available to at least our representatives before we are asked to audition. Again, precedent is on our side here. You wouldn't work on a TV show, commercial, or film without knowing what part you're playing and how it fits into the story, yet are asked over and over again to do just that in interactive media to some extent because they're not – they're saying – 
whenever they audition, they need to know what this is for. Even TV shows don't even do that. I mean, well, they send out casting calls. Hey, we're working on a blah 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 blah. You know, like a superhero show, right. a, a female centric superhero show. You're gonna play, you know, a middle aged male um, who is a computer geek. Like that's all you know. Right. Whenever you audition, you don't and, know it's Jimmy Olsen. Exactly, and so it's like. Uh, well, some of but, that's misleading. But it also, I mean, I can imagine that even at, after they get the project sometimes that they wouldn't know. I mean, and even to that extent, like in the music industry, that's also a problem sometimes is that they don't know what project they're working on whenever they're doing it. Like say there's like a, you know, somebody's trying to do like an orchestra cut yeah. uh, on something. Um, the first, oh, the, the well, third what? violinist okay. doesn't know what what album they're working on. Um, whenever they're in the process of this, and so their even their representatives wouldn't necessarily know. So here's my you, question: Why do you need to know? You get paid on a different rate depending on the size of the project. Well, the size of the project can be is indicative by is uh like what you're actually doing. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, but it, I mean, it, there are like different tiers that they negotiate based on, and so if you negotiate on something on an assumption that it's one type of record and it ends up being a different type of record, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that seems like something that doesn't necessarily apply here, though. No, but I mean, it, it could be something similar to that. Like, I mean, these are all like kind of unionized rules. Like, I mean, that's a unionized thing where there's like four or five different tiers of like records, where it's like if this is a tier one record, you get paid on a certain scale. If there's a tier two right. record, I understand you get paid. that. I'm saying it, so, I don't, it doesn't. That doesn't apply to what they're describing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, that, that would be the only reason why you would need to know, like whenever you actually start doing it, what the project is. If there's a pay is. scale. Right. If there's like a, uh, if there's a tiered type of scale where it's like, Hey, you know, you're working I for Activision on some random project and it's like a, you know, you're getting paid on this scale, but it ends up being the next call of duty or whatever. Then it's like, Oh, well, you would kind of want to know that. But again, I agree with you that during the audition process seems like a stretch because right. I mean, you don't need to know at that point. Right. That's what that's you know? what sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Is, I mean, you're you're auditioning. Yeah. You just and, need to know how much time is this going to take take up of my time? Can right. I fit it into my schedule? And you know, can I fit in this role? Right. I mean, obviously, yeah. It'd be nice to know. Hey, who's making the next? Uh, let's. We're just using Call of Duty as an example. Yeah. Who's making the next Call of Duty? I want to be on that. Uh, I'm going to like go after it hard. Right. Sorry, you don't know. Like, uh, uh, just think of how right. how secretive these things are. But like, even at that though, uh, most games these days are announced way before they start casting for right them. and they also change names like three or four times a lot of times yeah. so, like i mean if you announce like the next game and you know you know i mean you may change names so i mean that's going to be the tactic they're going to use is they're going to they're going to say oh you're going to be auditioning for blue swan today it's a game about this blah 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 and right. it could be anything or and then <laughs> then the next day after they've cast all their people they're gonna be like right. actually we're going to rename this folded under the Call of Duty franchise. It's going to be called Call of Duty Black Swan. Right. Or, or, or Blue Swan, whatever I said. <laughs> Call of Duty, Duty Blue Black Swan. Swan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like you, they're going to change the name. There's going to be some way that the uh, that these game companies are going to be able to get around that, I feel like. Right. Well, even movies have working titles. Right. And so, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, and they can change so, up until the last second, honestly, man. Honestly, like the, the, the way that you, you figure out like, okay, is this a, you know, how much do I bid for this? Is it, well, you can usually figure out like, is this a major release by a major studio? No. Right. Like, right. is this, is this something that, uh, just from, from, uh, looking at the, like what's involved in making yeah. it, like, is this a big thing? No. Okay. Yeah. Well then whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like the video game industry is, uh, there are, there's less variance as far as like the, the, uh, tiers of projects anymore. Yeah. Like these days it's either an Uber project or it's like an indie project. Right. And so, I mean, with that in mind, 
I don't know that there's any any reason necessarily to to need to know that. I'll tell you it. what this feels more like, John. You think it's something that they're going to be like, oh, well, we'll cave on this if you give us this. No, like this. So what this entire like entire issue feels is like, so you have these SAG actors, and then you ha- who who are are television and film actors, and then you have video game voiceover artists, and then you have SAG who wants to reach out and include these video mm. game people in their union, ah. and so they're saying, all right, we'll put in put you know put some things like some 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 new rules and new requirements in our our negotiation um uh tactics and in in our um in our bylaws so that we can include you so that they can get more union members that's what it sounds like i mean you could see i mean there's always i mean whenever you have big big organizations that make money off of a larger group of people you're always going to have those things that feel really weird where it's like oh you know in order to do this, you have to join this, or in order to do this, you have to do this. And like I, you know, as as you look at these things, there are obvious things that are not necessarily protections for people, and they're just in service of getting more people under the uh, under the hat of you know whatever organization. Right. But I mean, I do know that I, you know, I've looked at some interviews with like Troy Baker and things where he's like, man, I would love to do more um, more small projects, but you know, I, I, you know, there's no, there's really nothing in it to do for, for somebody like him to do some of those small projects. Whereas I see like if something blows up, like think about this, like if you have a, uh, a smaller downloadable game, right. And the time investment is low, but it's like, it's also, you're not making as, mu- as much money on the front end. Um, you could potentially do 20 lower level, less time investment, uh, projects like that. And then one of them hits big or one right. of them takes off and you can make more money off it. So it basically makes it more worth your that. time. So. I'm saying, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm saying on that particular issue, that doesn't need to be a requirement. Troy Baker's still free to make those deals all day long. Yeah. Make those deals with whoever will make them. Yeah. This is basically, this would, this is, this, this is forcing it, it into a situation where people don't, like the other side doesn't want it. Huh? You know what I mean? I mean yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And we'll see how it works out because again, any of these points that they're trying to negotiate for, you know, like I said, some of them could be just these, okay, we're going to put this into our, our, our initial like demands or whatever. Yeah. And then we're going to back off on that a little bit so we can get this other thing that we want, you know? Possibly. So it's all these like negotiating cards where it's like, oh, we'll give you this if you, you know, take that out of it and, you know, that sort of thing. So you're always kind of uh, looking at these things and going, ah, you know, from from our perspective, right. from the outside, one of those could be the two million unit requirement, where it says, you know, the they want residuals for games that sell over two million units. So, yeah, that's I mean, assuming that okay, something over two million units, you are now into profit, right? I mean, like. I- yeah, and games like thinking about like how expensive some huge games are. Like, uh, think about like the uh, the last uh, the Metal Gear Solid. Like that's the, that's a game that came out like recently. Um, right. And the way like I guess the last year or so of the development process of that like a uh, year or two, there were these huge reports about them going way over budget on this. Oh yeah, thing. That, and that's why. So Kojima got kicked out. Um, he's he's no longer like working with. Konami because he right. went way over budget and it took too long to make. Yeah, what, what, it wasn't like how long was it to make that movie or that that game? I mean, so it was years and years and years and years and years. I mean, it started on like last, like it was supposed to be a last generation game, and then it's you know we're a couple years into this generation cycle. So I mean, it was supposed to be. 
much sooner than it was now. Um, but like even that, like recently, people have there's been whole missions where where they've released like this footage and these pictures and stuff of these these missions that they cut from the game at the last second because they were over budget. They're like just like no, no, that's not going in the game. The game's going to be finished with what it is. It's shipping now. Go, you know, and and that game is awesome like reportedly it's it's amazing i mean it's getting like nines and tens and these these amazing scores all across the internet um but it was reportedly just super expensive so i cannot imagine that that game is going to make money after two million copies are sold like i really right. cannot okay. imagine can't fathom that that many so this is from forbes yeah. Since its release, Metal Gear Solid V: The Phantom Pain has sold three million units globally. But compared to its, so it's over the two million dollar yeah um, mark. So under the terms of what um, the the union is asking for, yeah, they would already be giving um, their actors residuals. Right. Since its release, it sold three million units globally. But compared to its budget, it's got a ways to go before it likely breaks, even let alone makes a profit. Yeah. From the prior. Um, Nikai report, we know the game's development budget was around $80 million. Couple that with the obviously sizable marketing and distribution costs means the Phantom Pain will likely need to sell quite a bit before it even breaks even. This is because most modern marketing budgets can often be larger than the game's development costs, so it's likely that the Phantom Pain would need to sell around 5 to 6 million units to break even. So it's Maybe there. even more than that. And that's going to, you know, if, if that $2 million, uh, or not $2 million, $2 million unit um, restriction or, or rule is in place, you're going to have to sell even more than that. Like, because yeah. then that's going to drive up the, the, the cost of the game. Right. Uh, once you reach that 2 million units. Well, it's, it's like a moving target at that point right it it's, like just starts ramping up yeah incrementally. i mean and you'd have to uh you'd have to project forward and say hey th- we're gonna have to sell this many units before we're actually into profit and right. stuff and so like that game specifically um or games that are of that you know tier where it's may t- takes a lot of money to make this game happen um is going to be what was the destiny thing so like the destiny number of like hey not only uh like the development cost but all things included they had spent a, oh. a ton of money Activision on was saying they'd spent like a, a half million dollars or something on just marketing the marketing for the game yeah right and so, like you look at you look at even that, it's like you you know the marketing costs of of a big huge game like that. I yeah. mean, it's going to be huge and ridiculous. To uh, the the cost is just going to grow and grow and grow. Right. And so, you know, I don't know. I it guess seems the guy, like two million is a little bit it's, low. It's a weird number because it's like you know you would assume that the reason they're asking that is because well they're making this all this we're making all this profit and we want a cut of and it. We don't like, see but what any if, of it. But what if they're making not making any profit yet at all? I mean, know? and that's that's something you know in. Again, in the, in the music industry, you look at profit a lot of times. Like the the songwriter, uh, you know, will need or the the artist will need to recoup a certain amount of money before they start making uh, a cut off of each record sold, that sort of thing. Um, so that's true. But in this, I guess, in this um, situation, okay, uh, I hate comparing these things because yeah, they're, they're, they're different. Different industries. But like in this but... situation, the art of the the artist who's trying to recoup would be the development studio. Correct. So the development studio is trying to recoup this money, yeah. But then they've got this like payout to some like to a to like some like musician they hire like right. an oboe player <laughs> for their hot track, well, their I mean, hot like, oboe dance track. I mean, and, and you <laughs> that know, after a certain number of units, they haven't even recouped yet, and they've right. got to start paying out. Where's the money right. come from, John? Right, and again, it's it's one of the it's it's again how. How integral is that particular, uh, you know, voice actor to how much it's selling, or to, they're to saying the actual every voice project. actor requires this now? That's what I'm saying is that 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 
comes down to I mean it's just that seems that's like a why, really that's, weird number. That, I know that's well that's why this that, that's and that's you know the last point that I'll make on that but th- that's why I'm like it should be determined by the individual actor. If you're Troy Baker and you can make that happen like yeah. then then yeah like go for it or whatever. Um and then let it be up to this development studio to decide. Well, is with, it worth with it the not? cost that we have and the budget that we have and the projections for this game? Do we think we could make this deal work? If yes, then they'll say yes. If no, then they'll be like, we can't do that. I mean, right. it, it, honestly, under this, it's like, well, we can't hire any voice actors. Well, I mean, and and that's the <laughs> other thing is this is one of those numbers, like you said, that is I feel like very ripe to be changing and and even to to potentially change how they. Uh, gauge it. So if they say, okay, so yeah, we'll give you some the residuals, but once we reach profit, right? I've, that seems like the logical jump here. Like that seems like I mean, it seems like there, you know, the uh, there might be some pushback from the union uh, negotiators on that point. Yeah. But it seems much more reasonable um, to say, okay, so whenever the company reaches profit yeah. then we uh then then we're able to pay out this thing because they're then going to be able to pay out uh to the development studio like development studios usually have like a profit sharing kind of a, a thing once they reach profit right i mean i don't know like i don't i don't know if that's true or not that's, but i mean those those deals kind of deals kind of exist they, 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 there are deals like that can exist in the wild right. yes um and I so like they specifically exist with any particular yeah, I don't know if it's a standardized thing right, or not, I but it, I mean, it it can exist. So, but I mean, the company will know whenever they reach that profit margin. Oh, yeah. They know how much it costs, right. obviously. And so, it just comes down to whenever they reach that point, they have to pay out uh, percent, small percentages to these other parties. And it's like that seems more reasonable than just saying, you know, two two million units. That seems more reasonable. And I mean, think about it though. Like, if I was a development studio, I'd also want to cap on it. Be like. I'll pay residuals for the next five years, yeah, and then I'm done. Because like then you got to track. You've got to. That's so much like yeah. admin. Well, and, and if you yeah. sell the rights to a game, where does that move to? And like all that crap, right. man. Well, I mean, if you look at uh, movies, for instance, like those companies like exist while the movie is is being made, and then they dissolve immediately after. A lot of times, like the the yeah. actual, you know. And so, any once the the movie is out of theaters or whatever, people usually don't make a ton of uh, of residuals off of the the actual sale of the. DVD or whatever. Well, if I mean, yeah, I think sometimes they write in like, you know, I get certain, you know, certain percentage of DVD sales or something like that up to a certain point. Right. I, but there is like a cap bigger, on bigger, it. big like the thing is bigger stars will can ask for that. There's usually right. a cap on it, yeah. Um, but across the board, I don't, you know, yeah, and I'm I feel like movie actor. yeah, I mean, or or even you know, or even like the extras or something like that. The extras, you know? I mean, uh, dude, extras don't make anything, right? And most so, of the time. so, but if you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe this has a maybe the the deals that they'll end up with will will have some sort of a. I mean, for the people in the background yelling and crowds and things like that. I mean, those voice actors obviously shouldn't be on this scale as much as the the they main people. I don't think they should make anything. They shouldn't factor it's in. It's like it's like extras and movies. You yeah, just, you put out a casting call. Hey, who wants to be in the next Godzilla movie? Right, right. Oh, you? Okay, cool. You're in it. Yeah, that's all you get. Yeah. Well, I mean, but even uh, in Hollywood, like if uh, I was listening to, there was a uh, a podcast about the cert- a certain movie companies, the people who do like Paranormal Activity. It's it's that studio, mm-hmm. right? And so if you look at their movies, they have certain common themes. They make movies for a really low amount, like mm-hmm. so they don't make big big budget movies. They don't like 
make hundred you know million dollar budget movies or whatever, um, but they make a lot of money uh, per- percentage wise as compared to what their movies cost, and uh, because the, anybody who is in their movies they don't they limit the number of speaking roles they have in movies because the minute an actor uh, or a a um, like somebody who's just an extra mm-hmm. the minute they say anything. Mm-hmm. They get paid. It's more. a speaking right. It's a speaking role, and they get right. pa- they get paid to the union kind of thing. But in, the, in the minute, like they were saying, even that there's there's pay scales based on like um, whether or not their their face is on like camera and stuff. So like if there's a waiter coming up to your table or whatever, a lot of times they won't say anything, and you'll just see them from in their those ter- right. particular movies. Right. You'll see them from like the uh, the their waist, right? Up, you know where they don't see their face and that sort of thing. So <laughs> it's just you know there's ways to get around that, but I mean it seems like this it seems so stupid. It does too. seem really if, stupid. Oh gosh! But it seems like that this would be ripe for those types of like considerations where it's like the minute you start uh, start making these decisions based on like oh who makes uh, residuals on the stuff that you're gonna have to make determinations of like yeah, okay it, what's a major role right. what's you know what's what accounts for this smaller level and right. it's just it gets really complicated so like okay so we were talking earlier about like okay um do actors drive sales gains i still don't think they drive sales gains but okay you could say are they a large integral part of the plot you know for instance until dawn yeah. Um, there's a lot of, uh, and, and for instance, uh, LA Noir, like yeah. they are both, um, have large casts yeah. and they have very recognizable actors in them. Yeah. Yes. If I'm one of those actors, I want to negotiate for more money. Mm-hmm. I still like though, feel like that should be up to me as the actor to negotiate for money, more money based on those things, you know, not be like, well, it's a, it's a requirement cause they said, and yeah. you agreed and like, ah, Sorry, you know, yeah. like it just—it feels like it's a cop out for negotiation. And there is a double-edged sword to that whole thing, like where you know it will limit um, because if certain projects have to pay a certain pay scale to people or have to pay a certain amount of residuals, they just won't get done. They're not going to get those people. Like they're not going to use uh, use the the higher level the people that they would want to use a lot of times. Yeah, they may not be able to because they may not be able to afford it. They may not yeah. be able to. Um, I mean, it just depends on how it all gets worked out and what the the specifics of the deals are. And I, you know, obviously, us sitting here, we don't know the specifics of where this is going to end up. Right. But it's it's uh, yeah, it just seems like it, it could be pretty restrictive. I am like one reason I'm I'm skeptical of this kind of stuff is because I don't like I th- I feel like the the video game industry is so young and it's in such a fledgling state. I don't I don't necessarily like introducing problems or situations to it that um, are inherent in other industries that don't need to be there necessarily. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're saying, hey, we're, we're basically trying to combine the, the, the television and movie industry with video games. And it's like, does this fit the mold? I don't know. Should it? I don't know. Like, Well, I mean, and, and I mean, voice acting, um, while voice acting for a, uh, like an animated movie or an animated TV show, it's, it's the same on the voice actors side of things, um, to, to come in and read these lines and to, to be directed to the, do these, speak these lines and do do this voice acting. It's the same there, but the product that you deliver isn't necessarily the same and it's not delivered in the same way. It's not the same market. It's not the same, like, like we've been talking about a game. It's about the gameplay. It's not right. about necessarily the story. Right. It's not necessary. And so these things that, yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's enough in flux with uh, with the video game industry that's inherent to the video game industry that's different than these other industries that they're gonna have to come up with some 
odd and i hope that i hope that the negotiators understand that that it's going to be its own beast its own animal it's got to be because they're different industries and right. people all the time like to con- you know uh, compare the movie industry to video games and say oh the reason i like this game is cuz it's so cinematic or or this and that and it's like okay but if the it wasn't if it wasn't fun to play and it was right. really cinematic right it still wouldn't, it would fail. Like right. it wouldn't be good. Um, so it's, they are completely different beasts, completely different animals. Right. I don't know though. You, you look at the movie industry and the, the music industry and all the, you know, these industries that this has happened in. And I mean, in the end, if there's a gigantic strike and you know, there's no games to be bought and, uh, and then the games come back and you know, nobody buys these games or whatever, or, or people, the, the market comes up with a different way. Gameplay is, is king. And so the market comes up with a way to, to give us gameplay without uh, voice acting or gameplay without um, these restrictive things. And we start eating it up as consumers. And then this deal is made. Then, right. And then the consumer continues to buy these games that are, uh, are gameplay focused, that aren't story focused and all these things that aren't, don't require which voice is all, actors. Which is already drivers of sales of games. Right. Um, then the market will correct itself eventually. Like, then, then I guess publishers and developers will stop making games that require voice acting. Right. Well, then that's my fear. And because – That would suck, man. Well, you think about games have become more cinematic – they have have attracted uh, larger and better actors. You know, you do have Kevin Spacey doing Call of Duty. You have, um, hey, what is her last name? Hayden Penitier. Okay, I think that's, uh, that's one pronunciation <laughs> from uh, from Nashville. She's in Until Dawn. Um, you've got Camilla Ludington. She was a TV. A, very C-list star on like some TV shows. Keeper Sutherland in uh, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, she was. She's you know to the new Tomb Raider, and so it's like you're attracting these bigger names, and so like that's appealing, and I know we want to keep that going. We also have this dichotomy where the only uh, projects that are getting greenlit are huge AAA games or are more like smaller budget games. There's no middle tier, and so it's like you've either got these huge things or these small things, and then you have all these actors who are attracted. I don't want to, A, scare off the actors by making it it too restrictive for development studios to work with them. Then again, what if this attracts more actors? (laughs) Hey. Uh, what if they say, hey, be cool. we can make residuals off this so it attracts more actors? Who knows? Um, like you said, I hope that whatever happens, that if it's negative for the video game industry, it doesn't destroy the video game industry. And it won't. Um, oh, okay, destroy is a harsh word. Yeah. Um, drastically limit the amount of cinematic experiences with right. um, quality actors we are able to play in the future. Right. Well, I mean, and so I'm playing persona four, right. And there's, this is a, a game that has a lot of voice acting in it and, and whole entire, I think the first uh, 30 or 40 minutes of the game, I was just, you know, basically watching a movie take place um, and watching, you know, these cutscenes and, and things, but some of the game, some of the dialogue in the game, some of the non like cutscene esque dialogue is text. And so you don't, there's no voice actor behind it. And yeah. Things. But so this game and, and RPGs and games like that, they don't necessarily have to have uh, voice acting. It's just a really big perk of having uh, yeah. to have voice acting. So my point is like if if we get by with games without voice acting for you know a year or so while this is all like if they go on strike for a long time mm-hmm. and we see games you know released that don't have voice acting or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know 
again, it, it could very much correct itself uh, and be, be bad for voice actors in the end. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody wants that. Right. And I think that these negotiations, you know, hopefully everybody has level heads and uh, we end up with something that's, you know, not necessarily exactly what everybody wants. You know, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta find the middle ground. You gotta, you gotta, you know, right. the, the idea that we were, we were kind of running down some of the points, you know, sure. Requiring protection as far as like a uh, from a stunt voice thing like that fee and 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 uh, you know stunt uh, coordinators on those types of things that all makes perfect sense really good production or uh, protection for the actors right but you know then you also have to consider the other side where it's right. like you got to give a little the uh, something that blurs the lines a little bit more is you know something like uh, Quantum Break that's going to come out and it's going to be oh, basically half man. TV show half game so like how does that work you know um, the other other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, this is on the podcast side um, uh, what's the Halo the Halo uh, oh uh, Hunt the Truth yeah Podcast. So first season, I just found out the main character is Michael Keegan P. Uh, sorry, Mike and Michael Keegan Key from uh, Key and Peel. Nice. And he's, he's he does the the uh, the main character's voice. He does and a so great job. And so it's like, okay, we have actors doing a podcast, which is a but which is a video game property. We have television television and movie actors doing that. It's just like this whole thing is just a mess. Yeah. Um, the well, and I- that's you know, the, the, so that's probably where a lot of this comes from. That you have these these actors um, who are coming into these video game places and being like, "Man, you guys, you guys don't have this, this, this." Right. You should have this, and so maybe maybe that's that's where some of this is coming from. I guess my my uh, like compare what like my points to like, say you're a metal worker and you've got a metal workers union, okay. And you decide you want to go be a textile manufacturer. That's like bringing your metal worker union rules over to the or school teacher. So those are two better. That, I was about example. to say, you know, yeah, there's not two factory jobs. Okay, so then you 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 but you go over and expect all the the things in place and protections and and rules from whenever you're a metal worker to exist in the teachers union. Yeah, and it's like, well, this doesn't really apply. You have your own union you get into now. That's almost what I'm like. Okay, I don't, you know, that's what I feel like. I feel like the, just the, all these all these uh, voice actors are just being co opted into this bigger thing that kind of relates, but it's like it, like you were saying, they are different beasts and that they yeah. encompass so many things. And honestly, like we have so many uh, different industries with different unions right and so i'm i mean i think in the end it'll be fine because i think that that as long as again as long as everybody has a has a reasonable head on their shoulders which in some negotiating situations people don't but as long as everybody has a reasonable head on their shoulders and they can recognize the fact that these things are different industries and these things are different um despite the fact that hey we may need some some union rules or whatever i mean as long as everybody realizes that it's a different thing we're going to end up with something that's fine. Right. You know, something that's a middle ground between everybody and right. it's, it's going to be okay. The, uh, the one thing I do want to know though is who, who, who are they really, who are they negotiating with? Like, mm. because I think <laughs> like the, the, the TV writers, I mean, they were negotiating with the major television studio. Like, you know, those entities like, okay, you've got the, you've got ABC and CBS mm. and like, you've got all the networks right? and like the big scripted shows on like, uh, TNT, TBS, HBO, Showtime, that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, those that's who you're negotiating with, representatives from these companies. I mean, there's so many, so Different many publishers. Devel- I mean, yeah, publishers and development studios. Like, who are you really, who are you negotiating with? 
And who's who's the uh, who 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 puts together the the representation? Yeah, who signs on and says the other side? You there, know? Are there four hundred different uh, representatives negotiating with the? Uh, well, and then then again, like, what are the different sizes of this thing? So, I mean, again, like we were talking about the tiered thing, like where there, there's got to be levels of like different projects and stuff where you have your uh, your Konamis where you're talking Metal Gear Solid kind of sales or you're talking Activision Call <laughs> of Duty kind of sales. He's making going to make less profit than a <laughs> smaller game. I know, man. It's it, like that. that I, I want to hear the story behind that oh, game man. development, dude. I, that's all I care about. Like, I, I don't necessarily care as much about the game, but it's like I just want to hear what the heck was going on with that game anyway but uh, uh so side note <laughs> konami this week announced a big boss plachinko machine that's awesome <laughs> so you can go and, and you can uh, go and gamble your... metal gear gamble yeah metal gear gambling <laughs> i wonder if your progress in the game like carries over to the pachinko machine <laughs> oh gosh i don't <laughs> That'd know be so cool you enter your like code or whatever That'd be ridiculous like, be nuts. anyway um but getting back to the, the point it's like it, there are these different tiers so does the indie person like the indie publisher indie developer whatever do what they kind adhere of, to these rules what kind of a voice do they have in this <laughs> to negotiate for their lower tier stuff right and it's like do do they potentially just get screwed in this situation yeah. um and the same is said for like uh, like lower level voice actors or something, you know, it's just like, do they end up, you know, they're going to end up having to sign this thing. Uh, if they want to work in the business, mm-hmm. what ends up happening with them? So right. and that's the, you know, that's just, uh, who knows, man. End result though. So think about the writer's strike. Oh man. Who wins in that situation? No one. Not the viewer. I don't think, I honestly, like I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent for strikes in general. It's because, Consumers don't win, and then the the writers are out of work for eight months or whatever it was. So like you you I mean there were stories upon stories at least during the writer strike yeah. of how it hurt their members more than helped them in the end. Yeah. It's like I don't know. Like I'd hate to see that happen to the video game industry and put a hold on all these games in development for something like that. Like if the same kind it's of true. thing happened, eight months of no. Uh, game development, there would be a, a huge like gap in the release schedule, right? In a, pff, you know, three years from now, right? And I was about to say, it's not something that we would immediately feel like the consumer wouldn't right. feel it right now. The people that would feel it would be those voice actors, they right. would feel it because like they're not making as much money in you know, in they're the making time, zero money, yeah, they're not making any money in the in amount of time that they're on strike. So, I mean, it, it, you're right that you know, every strike, there's always people that, that it hurts. Um, and you know, the, the times whenever it is. Um, useful and is necessary is if somebody's being abused or somebody's not being uh, taken care of in, in that way. Like, I mean, think about like safety of 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 some things. Like striking is definitely necessary to enforce restrictions of uh, you know either overly restrictive pay wages or it's overly uh, unsafe in a work environment. But yeah, I mean, it's it, in the in the in the in between the consumer is hurt so the people who want to buy the product they are hurt and i mean most of the time the the people who are on strike they are hurt uh and they're not making money they 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 won't make that year back it's not like whenever you immediately go off strike it's like oh you're going to you know make that money back whenever you go off strike you know no you just you just lose it it's just gone um yeah. so yeah hopefully hopefully this isn't going to lead to a big strike and isn't going to lead to a uh, a long time of of no games yeah that would suck. That would not be fun. No. Um, yeah, is that the news? Uh, no. Actually. <laughs> you put down your phone, and I was like... Well, it's, 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 it's just charging, and uh, so I, I didn't <laughs> want to hold it up in the air that long. Okay, so I have one more thing. The, the 
Call of Duty Black Ops 3 digital download has been removed from Xbox Live and Amazon. What? So, let's see here. Um, but not this PlayStation. Is from, this is from Kotaku. Not PlayStation. This is from Kotaku. And um, Patrick Klepek posted this. He asked Microsoft. They told him the first time we are actively engaged with Activision to return Call of Duty Black Ops 3 to the Xbox store as soon as possible. In the meantime, fans can pre-order Call of Duty Black Ops 3 for Xbox One or Xbox 360 from any of a host of retail partners. Uh, He said, this is technically a statement, but it doesn't actually say anything. I pressed wondering if Activision asked Microsoft to remove the pre-order and got this. Yes, the Call of Duty Black Ops 3 pre-order offers have been temporarily removed from the Xbox store. However, we are actively engaged with Activision to return it as soon as possible. Doesn't really answer the question. He went to Activision, and Activision said Activision did not remove the digital version of Call of Duty Black Ops 3 from the Xbox Game Store. Black Ops 3 is ready for launch on November 6th and is the most anticipated game of the year. Black Ops 3 is available for pre-order or pre-purchase through our other retail partners worldwide. Huh. Um, If Activision didn't remove it, does that mean Microsoft did? He took Activision's statement back to Microsoft, hoping it would open the door to any clarification, but... Microsoft said, we do not comment on the specific terms of our arrangements with any of our publishing partners. However, we are actively engaged with Activision to return Call of Duty Black Ops 3 to the Xbox Store. In the meantime, fans can pre-order Call of Duty Black Ops 3 for Xbox One or Xbox 360 from any of a host of retail partners. So is Microsoft... uh... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you think they're taking it down in order to potentially negotiate something with them or whatever? I don't know. Like, I don't... Like, if... That's weird. If it, <laughs> so, if if Microsoft took, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out who like what is there to gain by doing this. If Microsoft took it down from the store, are they saying, "Hey, Activision, give us some money and we'll put it back up on our store." That doesn't make any sense. And you feel like those those deals have been made for years, and it's pretty standardized at this point of what it takes to put something on a, on uh, in a retail store. Right, like in in their in their what are you uh, not saying? Retail, I don't sorry, what their you're digital saying. store. So, I mean, I feel like the the if they're looking for more money, that would be not normal. Like, I mean, I feel like every publisher probably and, and whatever has those deals with Microsoft to say, we're going to sell our thing through your digital store. And here's the amount that you get. Here's the amount that we get. And that deal is just in place. It's like a standard. deal. I don't know. What if all of a sudden they found out that Activision had made a better deal with PlayStation to put it on their store? I, that would be wild, man. You know, then, then Microsoft would have grounds to be like, Hey, we're not going to sell it in our store. You're not going to get any sales from us. If you don't, give us the same thing i don't know like we just don't know so but i guess like, the amazon thing though like the amazon amazon too isn't selling amazon's not selling digital code either there's That's something weird. there's something with the digital code like and the way that probably profits are being doled out by activision like the percentage that retailers can take is probably somehow off so gamestop can you buy an xbox one digital code from gamestop right you now? can from gamestop but you can't buy a digital code from amazon nope so you and it shows like he has a screenshot. You can buy a digital code of the PS4 version and a digital code of the play, uh, PC version from Amazon. From Amazon, but, but not, not the Xbox not the One. Xbox. It's been removed. It's been taken down. That's weird. So what happens to the people who have already pre-ordered it uh, through? You probably get it. Store? I'm sure you get it. Yeah. I'm, if you, they've taken your money, they can't uh, untake your money. It's true. And say we're not going to sell this to you. Would Amazon take your money um, for a digital code? Does Amazon take your money right then, or do they wait until no, it's the, the same day thing? It's always of date till day of. So Amazon probably uh, you Might probably don't. It. Yeah, probably cancel it or or transfer it to a physical copy. 
Right. Well, but, they'd probably just cancel it. They don't. Amazon doesn't switch things around like that. Okay. I mean, and, but but Microsoft, they actually do take your money right as soon as you pre-order. Correct. Um, digitally. Wow. Okay. So that's the only. Re- that's the only logical thing that I can think of is that that Microsoft might have taken it down for. Like, if Microsoft are the people who took it down, Microsoft and Amazon are saying, "Hey, we want more money, more more yeah, cut, you, more, more a bigger, larger cut of this." You made these deals with these other people, and we're not getting that. Or, we need to get that. Or the other people just don't care. Yeah, and Microsoft and Amazon are like, "Hey, we're not getting enough of this." Yeah, but I don't know. That just that seems really weird. If well, if that was the case, well, think about it. If so, for instance, if I'm this is just a hypothetical situation. This is not what's happening. But say right. I, say I'm Amazon. Yeah. Um, and say for the physical copy, I make ten percent of the purchase price. Okay. And for the digital copy, I make ten percent of the purchase price. Although the digital copy doesn't cost anything for anyone to produce, so Activision right. is then getting more money off the digital copy. So Amazon says, well, if there's but more, Amazon the- also doesn't have to ship it to you. They also don't have to hold it in their warehouse. I mean, there's, there's those kind of costs as well. They don't have to pay anybody to package it up and put it in a box and send it to you. Correct. But they're but what if they're saying? You reap the benefits of this extra money, but we don't, and so mm. we want a piece of this. The only way I would I would see that that would be the case is if it was this, if they basically didn't make the same percentage on the digital copies as the like. So if say they That's, they made more money on so they made ten percent on the physical, but they only made like seven percent on the digital. Um, and so if they're saying you know hey we need to make the same for this stuff, you're reaping benefits from the digital stuff. It can and be it can be anything. I don't know. It could be diff- it could even be more. Like because mm. if they're saying hey Activision, you're making you know you make you make a larger amount of money off this. Right. So you're going to give me a larger amount of money off it right. as well, well, well for then, selling it. And then also looking at uh, I, I guess it was Activision's statement about. You know, Black Ops Three being the, one of the most anticipated games of this fall. That's very true, and you know that Call of Duty sells ridiculous numbers of copies. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I, could it be something where it's like, okay, well, you, you're going to sell so many copies of this game, we want a little bit more of that, a little bit more cut of of that. Yeah. Type it, could, of thing. It, could be, it could be that as well. Um. That they just see Activision making so much money and more money than potentially uh, other you know lower level games would make. So, say they sold you know. Uh, like 10% or I guess it would be probably twice as much. So hundred percent more, um, twice as much as these other games. They're like, Hey, we need to make more off of this thing that we're selling. Yeah. Twice as much of one more hypothetical situation. Um, what if, um, this was prompted by something Activision did in the first place where Activision didn't say, yeah, take it down, but Activision like is pulling something behind the scenes and Microsoft and Amazon aren't having it. And they're like, Nope. Yeah, I mean, that's very true as well. I mean, you know, in that situation, it would be, you know, oh, but we're, you know, just basically being cagey about it or be finagly about it, like uh, about their download or or the way it's delivered um, somehow, you know? I don't know. That's weird, dude. That made no sense. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of like what would be the scenario. I I don't think we have to think of the scenario necessarily, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what no one knows what's going on. It's weird. I don't probably won't know what's going on. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's strange. Yeah, definitely weird. And so all of this is coming at like literally a month before it comes out. I was gonna yeah. buy the digital version. Um, I was gonna buy the digital deluxe version or something like that. Whatever yep. gives you the extra. Content. Can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. You can do it off of like from GameStop. Ah, but I really don't like doing the GameStop thing. I I don't know why, but I just don't like going into GameStop. <laughs> you don't have to go in to get this the code. Don't you like they print it off on the receipt, right? No, you can do it online. 
Oh, they, they so email this, it to you. Ah, uh, that's right. And then, then on the night, the night of, I just remember like I had to pre-order it, and this was early on in the digital delivery thing. I remember pre-ordering Ghosts yeah. um, that night, and then having to go in and, in order to get the code because they didn't give me the code at the same you time. You downloaded that digitally? Yeah, for Call of Duty. Oh, for the Xbox One. Yeah, for the Xbox One. I see what you're saying. And I remember like they were like, "No, you have to do it uh, in store." And I actually, so I was but picking you, up my Xbox had One you, had from. You, but you'd bought? Had you pre-ordered it in store? Yeah, I'd pre-ordered it in store like so the, the week before. You have to, but if you'd pre-ordered it online, they would have emailed you the copy. Okay, like it, that. That I is see. that is true. Like it's it's like any other um, retail store. They usually like their online store is treated as a separate entity from their retail stores. Gotcha. And so, like if you bought it from the online store, and I remember the reason was I had to trade in my Xbox 360 version in order to get the Xbox One version at a discount or something like that. So it was, uh, and I, I did that like the right. week before or something like that. And they said, "Oh no, you got to come that night, and we'll print it off for you." So I had to come the night, and I, I was picking up my Xbox One from a different place, like yeah. from Best Buy across town. Yeah. So I had to go to the GameStop, get the receipt, go to the Best Buy, pick up the xbox and then and then go home you yeah know, it's, so. it's a big mess it was it was a mess for sure um yeah man that's a wild scenario that's i can't fathom what the heck would be going on yeah i would love to be a fly on the wall in those those meetings i mean it's probably something really simple um <laughs> but and we're making a big deal out of it i'll probably um, but who knows all right that's the news all right, we're going to move on now to our main segment. We're going to review Flash and Arrow uh, from the CW. Yeah. We are going to uh, to chop these up and use them as sections on our uh, Flash on Target and um, Arrow on Target podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, but if you want to, if you like what you hear and you can't follow the two shows and you want to get some, uh, reviews every single week of the episodes, find us online at Flash on Target and Arrow on Target. Yeah, um, and people who are subscribed to Flash on Target and Arrow on Target may need to refresh their feeds. We haven't posted an episode, obviously, since the last season. True. Um, so I, I think that, that uh, you end up having to like say, yeah, I, w- I want to refresh this feed after a certain period of time. Right. So make sure that you do so uh, in your podcasting app, right. uh, whether it's Stitcher, whatever it is, uh, or podcast on Apple. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. This year, we're doing things a little differently for Shaking our- it up. Yep, for our main podcasts, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, basically segments to our uh, television episode reviews, and so this is going to be all spoilery. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for the season premiere of Flash or Arrow, you can turn it off now. We're going to spoil the heck out of these. If you want to, uh, uh, yeah. if you want be, to be spoiled, mm-hmm. or or want to hear and be like, ah, is it any different? Blah, blah, then just keep listening. Yeah. Uh, if you don't care whatsoever, keep right. listening. Right. Um, so uh, we're, we're just going to launch right in with Flash. Flash. All right. So the first first thing we're going to talk about, John, what what were our favorite parts of Flash this year? Oh, dude. Um, my favorite parts, obviously, were the emotion. Like, I love the, mm. the relationships that we have going on. Um, and honestly, in this particular episode, um, the first, I guess, before the first break, so before the first commercial break, that was some of the coolest television um, because you had this big cliffhanger at the end of last year, right? Yeah, refresh me on the cliffhanger from last year so because from, I did not remember it at all. So the cliffhanger from last year was uh, we had just um, taken care of Harrison Wells, right? And, right. But there was still the singularity problem uh, right. that was created above uh, Central City. And so it was just going to swallow the entire Earth and, uh, and end all life whatsoever because uh, Barry had been tricked by Harrison Wells and essentially uh, did everything that Harrison Wells planned on and wanted to and was about to end the world with a singularity. Okay. 
that's not how the show started, though. The show started with Captain Cold and um, yep. he, Heat Wave. Yep. It okay. Was, what what was going on there? Yeah. So that was that was my big question. Was like we we left on this big cliffhanger, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so keyed up to see him fight, like to run in the singularity, because that's right. where we ended the season last season. Right. But it didn't start that way. It started with like this really mundane kind of average yeah, takedown of a couple of criminals. Okay, where, where does that fit in the timeline? Because that was that was a. Uh... Firestorm, yeah. who came in and, and uh, um, saved him, and he's the- supposedly dead. Yeah, so it didn't it, it didn't take place in Again. anywhere in the timeline um, because it w- all took place. The way I understood it was it took place in uh, Barry's imagination because he it, it ended with him standing there looking around in this really cheesy moment where every single one of his friends comes up and congratulates him and says, oh. "Hey, you know, you did such a good job. You're doing oh, so good. You gosh. should do this on your own." And then Harrison Wells shows up, who we know is uh, evil right, and also right. dead, right. and he says, "Yeah, it's almost like you can do this by yourself." And he stands up right. and he, you know, he comes for Barry, and then it's over. See, I I I separated those two whenever I was watching it. I yeah. thought the Captain Cold heat wave thing was separate from him staying there in Star Labs. So, okay, that makes more sense now. All right, so uh, yes, that makes a lot more sense. Um, it's interesting, like because uh, the uh, the actor for Harrison Wells, like he has signed on for this entire season, and so it's like it's gonna be interesting to see how they. F- piece him into every episode so this episode he was in on the uh on the flash drive like in in that thing which i thought right. was a really cool twist what do you um, think that's that's i think that's from the future uh you think it's from the future based Ooh. on what happened at the or an alternate timeline i don't know man it's it's uh, to see maybe him return like that maybe maybe because a thing? who brought it to him it was the guy who showed up at the end uh yeah who said that he uh is He's basically Zoom. a version of the Flash, and uh, I think yeah. Zoom is reverse Flash. I mean, and I think Harrison Wells in a different timeline is, and so like there's that- different iterations of uh, of the universe, and there's different iterations of the reverse Flash, and there's Professor Zoom. There's, I mean, there's yeah. So the, this all is like fitting into exactly where the Flash like comic book kind of goes uh, is where like. There's multiple timelines, there's multiple uh, universes, yeah. and, and Flash kind of unifies them all because he's so fast, he can break through the barriers right. between worlds and things. But that's what I think, because um, he has the flash drive of Harrison, like, basically saying he killed um, uh, Barry's mother. I don't think that our version of Harrison would have admitted that he might have though. Like, I mean, for what purpose? So, in the event, in the event of his death, or but whatever, why would it matter? It only matters because he wants like the the, what, the way that Harrison um, and the Reverse Flash he wanted revenge on the Flash, right? And so that's why he traveled back in time in order to kill the Flash, and he didn't couldn't kill the Flash because so he killed his mother, and he got stuck there because he lost his powers. Um, and then he, you know, he's basically doing this long con of trying to get back to his his original uh, future, right? right. Um, where he's battling the Flash and stuff. So, but he came. Over time, he became friends with Barry and you know started liking him and stuff. And supposedly, this is what he tells everybody. But it's like I don't know. I, I think that that's possible that he, in some twisted way, either is going to tell him this in order to give him what he wants. But it's not. He knows for a fact that it's not going to be what he wants. Um, and so it was what he wanted. It was what he wanted, but it wasn't what he wanted because he wanted his dad free. I've, he wanted his dad to be out of jail and stuff. But his dad came out of jail, and it wasn't what he wanted because his dad left. Right. I mean, I see that. That's true. Because he said that you know I'm going to give you what you I've always wanted, but you're not going to be happy still. I I understand that, um, but I also think that this could have been a peace offering from 
the um, mystery man, I'm just going to call him, the mystery man. Yeah. Um, who I think is a flash from a... No, I don't think he's, he's... He didn't say his name was Zoom, did he? I don't think so. No, he, I, called, I don't he kept calling Harrison Zoom. Like, I think he kept referencing Zoom. And I think Harrison is Zoom. Like, the reverse Flash in a different universe is called Zoom. And this is Flash from a different alternate universe. Yeah. And, uh, that, and that could be. And he has brought it as a peace offering to Barry to say, hey, trust me, listen to me, I got your dad out of jail, like, so that you'll pay attention to me. I mean, and, and this all could be part of uh, the setup for Legends of Tomorrow, too. I mean, you, you know, we have that time traveler uh, to consider. That's what I thought that the heat wave and Captain Cold thing at the beginning was going to be. I was like, is this, are they setting up already for. Legends of Tomorrow, but I guess not. Well, it also seems like in both uh, both this and the Arrow uh, premiere, you're looking at all of the characters. Like they've involved everyone um, yeah. in in good ways. Like yeah. I mean, it all fits. It all makes sense. But they've involved all of the characters, whether they're alive, whether they're dead. They're all in there. Yeah. Um, and it's either just to connect both seasons, or it's like you know just to, to remind you of who these people right. are. I don't know, man, but anyway, so one of my coolest, like, going back to the original thing of, like, what was one of your favorite things, my favorite thing was that I didn't get the payoff of, like, hey, well, what happened at the Singularity? Because, like, I remember, like, sitting there and I was thinking, well, are we not going to find out what happened with the Singularity? I guess Mm -hmm. we just jumped forward six months because we jumped forward six months, but then... Right before the break, right before that that break, he kind of uh, goes back in his mind and uh, basically saying, "I'm not the hero here." And and some, you know, basically you see what happened, and it's heartbreaking, and and Ronnie ends up dying. Yeah. So um, I did like the placement yeah. of that. It like it came at the the right time for the plot, not necessarily the right time in the chronological story of the show. Right. And, and so I, that it works a lot better that way. Yeah. And that that feels right. You know, it felt right to to jump back at that point and and to give you the big emotional payoff. Uh, right before the first break, you know, because you can kind of put yourself back together mm. while you're waiting for the next section of the show. I'll tell you another thing I liked was the uh, the reference to Batman with the flash signal. My gosh, that was really. I fun. hope they keep using that. They better. Yeah. <laughs> and we've always talked about the Arrow being uh, being kind of the Batman of this universe, and so maybe <laughs> what do you think? He, maybe, maybe he ends up using something similar, takes a cue from <laughs> that Barry would, here. That would be funny. That'd be really Although funny. What would his symbol be? He doesn't really have a good symbol. No, he doesn't really. Maybe an arrow. I don't know. And, but, and just uh, <laughs> when they have that like arrow logo for the beginning of the show, that thing's weird. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, if if you look at the silhouette of that, it wouldn't wouldn't really mean anything. Yeah, it's just like I don't know what it's that strange. is. It's no, like the, this triangle. one works because it looks it looks right. So the Deathly Hallows sign or something in the sky i don't know there you go dude sometimes <laughs> i see that on the back of like vehicles driving down the road and i'm like yes that's definitely how it is. yes awesome uh but okay so i'll tell you one thing i didn't like okay, okay. this is something a little different i didn't like how terrible the cg on the uh the bad guy yeah, looked what was that oh, it was awful what was, what was that? his name Adam Smasher. Uh, yeah, Adam Smasher. Like, like, I liked the idea of him. Uh, um, the idea is great. Yeah, it was awesome. The implementation, not so great. Like, I, I just don't understand why you would go that route with the first episode I don't of know. the season. It was so cartoony. Like, the CG on this show has always been really good. Um, like, you think about. Most of the time. Yeah, most good. of the time. Okay. Let's just put that stipulation. But, like, Gorilla Grodd last year was really good. Oh, yeah. And, like, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of times it's been really good. And a lot of times they're able to mask it by making it really dark, really right. smoky, <laughs> or, or something like that. Like that they're able to, to to basically get away with this more. Guy was fighting in sunlight. Yeah, we were in broad daylight here, and uh, he was doing this weird growing thing that looked terrible. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, my thing is like you you had. I can understand if you're like in the middle of a season and you know you're just cranking out episodes. You had all summer 
to oh, do this yeah. one thing. Well, and also like you're you look at the budget for you know these things. I imagine the premiere probably yeah. had a lot of money behind and if it. If it didn't, it should have. Yeah, I mean they should have put a little bit more. I mean cut cut an episode from the season and put that into oh, this. Oh my gosh, you yes. know? I mean that would have that would have been far more beneficial. Anyway, so. That yes, you're right. That was really weird. Stokey. Yeah, and and every time we would go to fight him, I I kind of would like, uh, like yeah, I would cringe. Uh, I was like, ah, it's like man, know, I don't want to see this again. Yeah, just get rid of this guy. Um, I, I will say he was he was a very like uncompelling villain. Yeah, and that that was the, one of the things that I was criticizing in the episode was that okay, so while I love the emotion and, and the fact that everybody kind of was brought back together by this villain or, or yeah. whatever, we still are suffering from the kind of freak of the week kind of uh, scenario yep. on this show, um, which is one of our main critiques of last season, right. especially early last season. So right. hopefully, with introducing this new character at the end and the and the um, Harrison Wells kind of storyline, yeah. um, where he's still affecting Barry's life right. and, and and manipulating him in some way. Um, now, I mean, you know, I hopefully that carries through and that there's a, a compelling through line that we can go from episode to episode. But yeah, but yeah that 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 was the other thing. The freak of the week thing was one of the things that I, I was like, ah, I'm less interested in that. I guess that, that moves us to our next topic. Like, what's what's different? What's the same from last year? So, the freak of the week's still there. It's it's back. I mean, at least for this episode. Yeah. The um. The team and the way that it operates is different, which is I'm excited about. I'm yeah. excited like to see a different dynamic between the team. Someone who is you know like not having Harrison in the mix, I think helps. It makes them because it makes them figure things out on their own. Because before it always felt like Harrison was already in the know and yeah, knew what was happening knew. anyway. Yeah, he just and knew. so like it feels like okay, now this is a challenge for them. And now it'll be way more interesting to see how they solve it. Yeah, it seemed like you were always playing with a corked bat because yeah. Harrison knew, and and if he didn't know, he could go check his newspaper, his future newspaper. Right. To see if he's changed, you know, the right things or whatever. Right. Um, so I did like having Iris on the team. I liked that Iris actually is uh, yep. is standing up for herself and is like in the mix now. Yeah. Um, versus last season where uh, her character felt uh, oddly misused, like oddly she was just out of the loop. She was whenever she was in the loop that they would have her uh, react strangely to things. Like she just wouldn't wasn't ever consistent. And so it was nice to see an episode where she was in the mix. She was consistent uh, with, with the way we saw her at the end of last season. Um, and to see a little bit more of her and Joe interacting. Yeah. Um, and that was nice. The, um, I think the funny thing I found was the fact that she's now kind of his PR machine. She's like, oh, I can just write a story about it yeah. in the newspaper. Yeah. Well, I also like the key to the city scene. Like, that was really cool. Yeah. And I liked that we actually had something happen there because I feel like those things have happened before in like Superman comics where it's like Superman's getting the key to the city or Superman's getting, uh, you know, some sort of an award. And that is literally the perfect time for supervillains to attack. Oh, yeah. Because they know exactly where the hero is going to be. There's going to be a gigantic crowd of people. Yep. And so it's it's just a prime opportunity for uh, for things to happen. Yeah. And so I really loved the setup um, and that sort of thing. I also love the idea of Barry uh, rebuilding the city. Yeah, and I, I think the the biggest difference between this and last season is going to be what's Barry's motivation for doing what he's doing. Correct. Because we, last season it was always I want to either a save my mom or b get my dad out of prison. One of those has been um, been taken care of, and so it's like okay, well not, now what is his motivation for doing what he does? And um, 
I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and and uh, part of this episode, you know, we had the motivation of like making amends for tearing apart the city, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's trying to rebuild it one coffee shop at a time. Yeah, which is which is awesome. Yeah, which is great. Um, and I think for that, you know, if they continue with that, that's strong enough. But then again, I again, I really want this underlying mystery to go from episode to episode. Yeah. Um, which is not something that uh, Flash is, was incredibly great at last season. It was a lot of times mysteries it was very would, choppy. Yeah, mysteries would go away for entire uh, groups of episodes at a time like for a month yeah. at a time the, you know you'd be dealing with one episode here and then four four weeks later you'd be dealing with uh the same thing so how does this stand up as a season premiere i thought it was good i it, okay so if we were give it give it boots like so we, we would give things like ratings as far as uh boots you know how many boots do we give this yeah. one out of five or whatever yeah. uh one to five was our scale yeah. i would probably give this like three and a half four boots like mm-hmm. i mean it was it was uh middling because because of the cg because of the uh you know the the similarities between this and last season it doesn't really feel like much of a shakeup. but then again i mean maybe they don't they feel like they may not need that much of a shakeup. i mean if i'm if i'm comparing this to other season premieres i'm gonna give this like two and a half mm. two and a half boots just because it's like you know you think about premieres of uh the walking dead or um, premieres of even uh, other premieres, past season premieres of Arrow. Or even and, last season premiere, like episode one uh, yeah. of Flash was amazing. And so uh, compared to all of those, or you know, a lost season premiere or you know, something else, yeah. it's just kind of like, this is just, it felt like, a, like, it, like I said earlier, it kind of felt like a, a middle of the season episode. Yeah, they set I mean, up a lot of things. Yeah, they set up some cool stuff, but not in a not in the most compelling way. I don't think. Correct. There were great emotional beats. Oh yeah, you're right. With you know, with his father and with uh, between him and and uh, the rest of the group. Yeah, and um, even even that scene. You know, I was getting chills whenever he was running uh, in circles through the singularity. I mean, yeah, and that then, part was and, cool. And Ronnie went up inside this. And it's just like, oh my gosh, chills. But it, it was a little formulaic, and in terms of. Um, how they set up him kind of rejecting the team and you're like, ah, right. like he's going to figure out he needs the team. He's done right. like, that was a plot that we, um, kind of, uh, experienced, I think at least twice last season Yeah, where he'd be like, I don't need the team. Like, Oh yeah. I, need yeah, I don't want to get anybody hurt. I don't need, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, while Push that, everyone away, while that's true to character, there Pulling is an Oliver queen. Yeah. There is a point where, um, you know, those, those types of plot lines that, while okay, so while this character may react this way, characters change and people, right. human beings, actual human beings, change over yeah. time, and so we want to see them change. And so, him to have this argument with himself again about the same sort of thing, right? Maybe, but this may be. I mean, this is kind of the first time that he's actually lost a team member other than Cisco, which he went back in time and changed. Um, and but here's the other thing too. Who really thinks the firestorm's gone for good? Oh, I mean, I you know that he's not because he's going to be on uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Ah, oh, yeah, right. That just ruins the whole thing, I John. I know, but then, then again, it's like, how do you bring him back? And it, it, obviously, I don't he, know if I care now. No, but so the uh, the doctor, uh, his his counterpart, the person who combines to make Firestorm, right? Yeah. He's going to be on Legends of Tomorrow, so at some point we're going to be saying goodbye to his character. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying goodbye to his character and saying goodbye to Captain Cold and yeah. um, Heatwave on Flash. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like those two villains, while they're compelling, they have uh, kind of cannibalized the uh, the Flash villain lineup, and uh, I feel like we just need more need fresh faces and more villains that don't just get killed or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this one also, we, we suffer from that too. We killed the villain. Right. Um, and uh, that was this whole situation, that whole setup to trapping him and then, and killing him. That really was strange to me. 
Well, it's, it's different than what the Flash has done before. That's right. more like Arrow kind of stuff, right? Um, and I'm like, I'm totally on board with with Arrow killing everyone. Yeah, but I Flash, felt, I felt less okay with it this time. Yeah, um, like we're literally he he baited him. Yeah, and then he chased him and he dishonest. trapped him and then he killed him. There was you no know? cure. It was just like, well, sorry. Yeah, there, and, and honestly, this dude was being forced to do this, basically. So it's like, you, you know, you really, did we, you did really we find maybe out, killed a, an ally. Did we find out? I forgot if he said who um, convinced him to do all this. Zoom did. Zoom. That's why I think it's Harrison. Harrison is alive, and from the from a different timeline. I don't know, man. Yep. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That about wraps up everything that I had with it this does. episode. So yeah, I, yeah. Again, you know, I, I would probably give it a good like in between three and four boots. Probably, again, if so. you want to uh, listen to this on a regular basis, go to samtargetpodcast.com. Subscribe to Flash on Target on your favorite um, podcast service of choice. Moving on to Arrow. Yeah. We're going to uh, do things a little differently from last year as well. We're going to do this, the same thing as we did for a flash on target. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, talk about a few of our favorite things, how the season premiere uh, um, compared to uh, – or sorry, how this season looks like it's going to compare to last season and how the season premiere stands up. Um, do things a little more um, segmented in segments uh, this this year and uh, more – rather than the free-flowing, freewheeling, and dealing ways <laughs> of last year. Yeah. Um, so starting off with like what we loved uh, or what I loved about this episode. So I, I, whenever I watched this episode, I watched it live and man, it, it, the writing on, on the arrow is really good. Um, a lot of times and at the end of last season, this time, I, yeah, this time. So the end of last season and then through some of, uh, some of the end of season one, I remember it just being a little bit weird and a little bit, you know, um, lackluster where characters were uh, acting irrationally and that sort of thing. But this, this episode really felt like we were back to kind of the, the form of uh, true form of arrow, um, where we have uh, a really, really compelling villain, um, this this year, um, and he's he's basically trying to take over Starling City. Um, and something that I that I loved about it was his character um, and and the kind of monologuing and the the threat that he brings to Starling City, ending up killing most of the uh, the city leaders. And they're, they're mentioning the fact that uh, that nobody wants to step up and be the mayor because the last like two or three mayors have been murdered. Right. And, uh, I wouldn't be the mayor. I wouldn't be the mayor either. And they were talking about people, you know, no one, no one moves to, no one new comes to star starling city anymore. Um, despite all of the rebranding that they've done, despite all of the, uh, the, uh, you know, all the changes they've made and the updates. And they were even talking about, how uh, Central City was giving them basically handouts by bringing their uh, train to uh, Starling City, um, which this episode got ruined by the uh, by the the massive train crash that uh, the bomb set off. Um, anyway, so like the threat of the villain was a really fun element. What to is this. his name? Um, so let me see. I have to pull it up, but uh, but it's it's a uh, it's oh, let me see. It's Neil Neil. Mag- how do you say his name? Neil McD- McDono, um, or whatever it is. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Mc- Neil McDonough? Yeah, Neil McDonough. And so like, he's been on lots of stuff, like movies, yeah. and you know, he's, he what is, is a threatening name, dude. Um, so his character name is, let me pull it up, Damien Dark. So the end of last season, we had this big tease about... 
Al, Al Ghul being um, scared of Damien Dark. Damien Dark was trying to take him out. Damien Dark was in town, and then oh, Al Ghul was trying partner. to kill him. Right. He was his previous partner. Right, and he was trying to kill him. Um, he was trying to uh, tap into these mystical powers that, uh, <clears throat> that Al Ghul has. So uh, anyway, so Damien Dark is leading this big team of people and is moving on the city and is, is effectively taking it over now um, and it was awesome to see um, Oliver is is falling into the suburban lifestyle very well. Suburban? Yeah. He's suburban. Like, yeah, sorry. Suburban. <laughs> lifestyle really well um, and him and uh, him and Felicity. Felicity is not as well adjusted to this lifestyle as he is. He is like all about it, man. Yeah. And uh, and I, I liked seeing that. That dynamic was really fun. Um the big reveal of Diggle's outfit was really good as well. Mm. And, and to watch the team kind of work together. Did we together, see Thea's outfit? Uh, we did. In fact, like the first, the moment that... That's uh, all I care about, John. Th- that, they were, that they were introduced. Um, Thea was riding on the back of the uh, motorcycle with Laurel, with uh, the Black mm. Canary. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> she was riding on the back. She's like, this is so much fun. And Laurel's like, we need to work on your definition of fun. <laughs> and uh, so Laurel just really uh, has fallen into that role of like kind of the uh, the stern kind of, you know, we need to get this done. This yeah. is dangerous. Take yeah. it seriously. And Thea has fallen into the, this is really fun. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah. Um, and it, even to the point where she was like beating up on some dude and had to be uh, pulled off or called off by Oliver later on. So Thea's got some stuff to deal with, it seems like, from from that side of things yeah. uh, this season. So I'm, I'm really loving the, the, the team dynamic. Um, so, I mean, those are the things I kind of liked about the episode was right. that was the, the new villain is excellent yeah. and feels very cinematic, feels very Batman esque. Um, and then the team working together and Oliver, you know, him being back and people are kind of falling back into their kind of season one roles, uh, aside from the new, new characters. Is there anything specific that you, you didn't like about this? No, not really. There wasn't a, a moment where I was like, nah, I don't really care for that. Um, I mean, everything everything worked out really well in the episode. I, I enjoyed the pacing. Um, I did think that, like... It was really front loaded with like action and things. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in the episode, we di- we didn't have as much action, um, but the pacing was really good. The flashbacks—that was one thing that I want to say that there was still flashbacks. Like we, I was like, or we flashbacking to? We were flashbacking to uh, five years earlier, and so Oliver is still like running around the world training to be the Arrow. So this is like right before he becomes the Arrow, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gets uh, kidnapped by Amanda Waller again, and and is you know. So it's like that was the only thing that I was like. Eh. It's kind of I'm formulaic. over flashbacks, dude. And then, then they threw a uh, threw a curveball at the end of the episode, and this was like this was the like the ending that I didn't expect. So everything kind of tapered out action wise, and it was like, okay, we'll see what Damien Dark does next. Blah blah blah. We kind of foiled his plans, but we, he also kind of screwed us. And he's a really ominous, mystical. He's got some sort of powers where he sucks the life out of people, and and uh, is really strong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but. We foiled his plans. He kind of foiled ours. But then we flash forward. John, I said we were going to do this. Yes, you did. You called it. (laughs) Uh, You were right. Um, We flash forward six months. Mm -hmm. um, And Oliver is standing in front of a gravestone. Mm. And uh, Barry Allen, the Flash, is standing Mm. next to him. And they're talking. And um, uh, Oliver says there was a time whenever I would have, you know, thought this was my fault and blamed myself. I'm, and he basically says, "I'm not. I don't do. Th- I'm not doing that right now." You know, he's like, I, "All I want is revenge. I'm going to kill Damian Dark." And so, like, this is going to a really dark place. Yeah. In six months, and you know, it's very ominous. We didn't see who's 
uh, Gravestone it was. Could wow. be any of the team. Wow. Um, could be someone we haven't met yet. Wow. Um, but it could literally be anybody besides uh, Oliver and uh, The Flash. So, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know where we're going, man. I don't know. That's but I'm, wild. I'm excited. I liked the uh, Flash Forward. I really hope we stick in that realm of things more so than the flashbacks. Because the flashback is not that compelling right now. Right. I mean, it did inform a little bit of the, the episode this time, but it's not directly related. It feels very much like the flashback did last season. And I think they know that, and that's why they're teasing forward. So. Right. Um, this reminded me that flash forward reminded me very much of you remember uh, Revenge, the first episode of Revenge season one. Yeah, um, one of the best, like one of the the best seasons of television uh, that I can remember, mm-hmm. like first seasons of of television for that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but it flashed forward and somebody died or like there was a murder or right. whatever. And so you're all, you're anticipating this thing and you're like, oh, how is it going to set up all season? So this, it seems like they're probably going to deal with this at the mid season. Um, and then the uh, back half of the season will be the run down to whatever happens um, with him and Damien. I mean, Dark. I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So we do yeah. the setup, setup, setup and Damien Dark, we're at our yeah. darkest hour at if it the mid season. Mid season. That'll be right before Legends of Tomorrow starts as well. Ah, so does Damien Dark play into Legends of Tomorrow at all? Do or you know? does the Whoever Dies play into Legends Ooh, of Tomorrow? Interesting. I mean, and at some point, we're going to have to bring back uh, the, the... Sarah. Yeah, Sarah and uh, as the White Canary. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of ground to cover between now and then. Um, I don't know if we keep seeing flash forwards. I kind of hope we do. And yeah. we keep... You know, I hope that we have like this running list of who's not in the grave yeah. and you, you know, you get it down, you mark it down into two different characters where it's yeah. like either Felicity or it's Thea or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then on that last episode, you find out who right. it is. So, I mean, uh, or Diggle or so, whoever, like, I hope we get it down. Like we whittle this down to like, okay, it could either be this character or this character. Right. And then on the last episode of the season or the mid season, um, you would find out. So I really right. hope that that's the direction we go. As far as how this has changed, we already kind of talked about some of those things with the flash forward and the fact that um, there's a new bad guy. Uh, then the team is made up a little differently in terms yeah. of Diggle having a suit and being more involved. Thea now being involved. Um, is uh, is Laurel still the Black Canary? She's still running around being the Black Canary? She is, and, and uh, it seems like she is... Not like Diggle has been the team leader, so Diggle is the is the, has fallen into the leading role um, of the team, and it seems like it's very much a different kind of team um, where Diggle is uh, more of the hey let's make make decisions, and then he goes home to his family or whatever, and then Thea goes out and hits the streets and stuff. You know, how's and Detective Lance? Detective Lance is there's an interesting uh, twist. So with Damian Dark this episode, he threatened the entire city hall, and so getting into a quote that I really enjoyed, uh, he said uh, he said you people all seem very unlikable but in the event that there is anyone in your lives who actually loves you you might want to say goodbye and then he proceeded to kill everyone who was in that room other than detective lance uh over the next few days dang um by poison by by assassin by whoever and uh but detective lance um while he was attacked laurel saved him Mm. um and so in that whole process um you know, you're like, oh my gosh, Detective Lance dodged a bullet there or whatever. But then at the end of the episode, it's revealed that Detective Lance has actually made some sort of a deal with Det- uh, with Damian Dark and is is his uh, oh no his crony in some ways. Oh like, no, the detective that. Damien Dark has is basically coerced him into helping him somehow, and he's like, "You don't even have a choice. That's not you know, good. You're gonna tell me all about the arrow, and we're gonna you know, who he loves, where he lives, blah blah blah, and we're gonna take him down." And then you know he's like, "But you don't have a choice in the matter." So I don't know, man. Detective Lance, uh, while he 
some of last season was was kind of dealing with some stuff with uh, with against Oliver. Seems like very much that. Uh, he understood what Oliver was doing and stuff at the end, and but this it's almost knows. like he's taking on a villain role now. It is. I mean, at the very least, he's being manipulated into that role, yeah. and so we'll see how that that shakes things up because nobody knows right now. Nobody knows yeah. that Detective Lance has is not working for them, isn't not on their side. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's it, it, that's. I thought that was a really interesting twist. It's an interesting twist that we were flashing forward. Yeah. And then someone dies. I don't know, man. It's it's very strange. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the season premiere. I like this one. I, it was way better um, than where we were in like mid-season or even in the end of last season. Uh, it was better than the season finale, I thought. Um, as far as like last season opener, we had this massive shocker last season of uh, of Sarah dying, and you know. While that was effective, it set a very dark tone for the rest of the season. I think this sets up a very good tone for the rest of the season. It does look forward, and it has like some darkness to it with the the death, obviously, but. I think it really it really was a good one. If I were to give this like hoods, like how many hoods for a season opener of the Arrow, I would give this five hoods. I mean, it's it was I couldn't. I where would you give this in terms? I of wouldn't this? change okay, so, a thing. So the rating is the rating is how where would you give this? Because remember, for Flash, right? I related it to all those other season premieres. Mm-hmm. I just want to know in terms of a season premiere for a television show. I mean, it was really good. What would you rate this? It was really good. We brought in all the characters that we know and love. We shook things up enough to where it's like, oh, this is going to be different. Um, but we also kept things, you know, some the same of what we loved. So I really would put this probably in terms of like other season premieres. I mean, it was good. It was it was solid. So probably. Four hoods, you know, for uh, for a season premiere. Okay. So like an eight out of ten, if you will. All uh, right. If you were gonna give it that, you know. Right. So if you're looking at like perfect season premieres, um, which I'm not entirely sure exist, but eh. that's what I'm saying. Like you gave it a five out of five. I don't know if like that'd have to be a perfect season premiere. I mean, so as an episode, the best of, ever. As an episode of Arrow, I would give it a five out of. five. I know. I don't like know. that qualification though. Okay. I don't. <laughs> For and if we're just rating a season premiere in terms of if we're telling other people whether or not they should watch this show, oh, they should absolutely watch it. Okay, um, it's it's an eight for sure. It was far better than the uh, than the the Flash uh, yeah. premiere. Yeah, far better than the Flash one. Um, again, I I really liked everything about it. Uh, there wasn't a single moment where I was like, eh, that's weird. Other than the flashback, where I was like, more of this, but that didn't take very long. So in terms of like comparing this to the first season of Arrow, like yeah. the the very first episode yeah, of Arrow, which was a great season premiere, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, there's maybe like on a scale of ten. There's maybe like a half a point difference. Between okay, them. awesome. And so this is really good. Yeah, so this is really good. And, and the only reason uh, that it would get that like half a point doc would be the flashback. Nice. I mean, that's the yeah, only yeah. thing that I was like, ah, uh, this again. But yeah, everything else was spot on. Is that it? That's it, man. Sweet. That's it. All right. Well, those. That's our uh, our review of um, Arrow on Target. You can find that podcast also at staintargetpodcast.com. Subscribe on your podcast service of choice. All right, John. This was a supersized episode. Holy cow, we made it. We talked talked for a long time about oh a lot of things. Oh my gosh. Yep. I'm gonna go home and go to bed. I am just gonna go to bed. All right. Uh, you can <laughs> right find us- here at the desk. Face down on the So desk. we had previously said we were going to review Armor Krog this week. We're going to try to do that next yeah. week. Um, we didn't. Uh, we weren't able to uh, to review it in time. And uh, I think we're going to try to do some let's plays. And so that that setting that up, I was trying to figure out some stuff uh, regarding that, like how we should do that yeah. best. But yeah, we uh, we're looking forward to uh, doing that next week. Um, and uh, stay tuned for that. 
You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com, on Twitter at ChrisWright250. And John Wright, 777. At Pod. As always, online at stayontargetpodcast.com, you can subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher to uh, all of our podcasts, our family of podcasts, if you will, Stay on Target, Flash on Target, and Arrow on Target. The Stay on ta- Target podcast universe. Yes. Uh, the yes, well, it's like the cinematic universe, the uh, Marvel, cinematic Marvel cinematic universe. universe. So stay on target, stay on target podcast, podcast universe. universe. You know, uh, yeah, it's a little, it's a little wordy. It is a little wordy. It's, it feels weird in my mouth. It's got a weird mouth feel. <laughs> Dude, uh, that we bring that up. Like, there's been a number of words that I've encountered over the last three days that have had a weird mouth feel. Where you're just like, you say it, and you're just like, no, nope, that, that's not right. Earlier, whenever I, I got it wrong, what, what did I say wrong? What word was oh. it? Oh, I don't it remember. Was, I don't remember. But whatever word point. you corrected me on yes. earlier, that was one where I was like, I was saying it, and I was like, that feels wrong in my mouth. And sure <laughs> enough, it was wrong. That's hilarious. Incorrect, John. <laughs> I feel like there just needs to be a buzzer every time I say a word that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be uh, frightening. And I don't think I'd. I think I'd be too scared to talk all the time. <laughs> It's like a grammatical policeman. Oh, jeez. So there is the uh, the grammar police exist on Twitter, and if you like do something that's wrong on Twitter and then hashtag it grammar what? police, they'll come in and be like, "What's going on here?" Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, we have to do that sometime. I know. It's uh, we need to create a scenario in which the grammar police have to. Go. It's like it's like <laughs> causing a wreck just to meet a police officer. <laughs> gosh, you gotta be like a psychopath. Oh, totally. To do it's that. Like, Chris, I'm gonna go rear end you so that way we can meet a police officer. <laughs> Doesn't matter which one, just any of them. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to ask you uh, about if uh, my neighbor, if he can put a fence more than two feet to my property line. Is that legal? Oh, man. You could have just called the uh, the officer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, I, didn't, I, I, I thought you guys only responded to accidents. Yeah, I mean, I saw I had to get arrested before I could meet you. <laughs> oh, oh man. All right, cool. Well, John, have a great week. You too, man. And listeners, have a great week. That's it for this time. We'll see you next time on Stay Stay on on Target. Um, You can find us on Twitter and iTunes and always online at StayOnTargetPodcast.com. Twitter. Dear God. (laughs) Gotta take that out.